so glad to have you here. Uh, you are the kind of the first group in the chapel for our 2016-17 series, and you're here for the first Twilight Meditation. Just a little bit about that. We uh, have Twilight Meditations for folks that can't necessarily make it to the events um, on the first Wednesday of the month at noon, which I'm pitching that to today. But this year, we're going to do four around four significant uh, days in the world, really global events. Today, it's International Day of Peace. On the 1st of December, World AIDS Day, we will have another gathering here. On, um, let's see, make sure I get the dates right. The 8th of March, or the 8th of March will be International Women's Day. And then on June the 5th will be uh, World Environmental Day. So we think it's really important to have gatherings on significant days where not only do we observe or celebrate or commemorate, but it's really done in a global context, in a global community. Uh, the International uh, Day of Peace is exactly what it says. It's an international day. All over the globe, uh, there have been events. There'll be events that'll go after the day. Um, in Assisi, for example, the Pope had a uh, prayers for peace, which actually was a few days ago. So some of this is building up to today. Uh, there are things happening in Sudan, which you could imagine right now how important a moment like this is in South Sudan, in different places. So the first thing I want us to just be very aware of, as we're doing our gathering and our get-together here, you're with brothers and sisters and colleagues and friends, people known and unknown all over the world, coming together at a time when I think that question about hope is so important, what the future, how do we live together in peace, and a sense of respect. So to have you here, think about that you're being here in the context of a lot larger community. Um, the second thing I will say is my kind of uh, administrative duty that I have to do. If you could please turn off your cell phones or silent them. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm not. Uh, mine is usually the one that goes off. Um, and also, if you would know pictures, we usually post pictures on the website. So if you need that, you can get them that way. That would be uh, very helpful, too, for the people you're sitting with today. So the question before us today is a question about hope. And within this context of the International Day of Peace, and we are just so fortunate and blessed to have with us a guest. And uh, I, a show of hands, who thinks they came the farthest today? Well, I think uh, I'm going to just guess a little bit that maybe Father uh, Tulio Prosperio might have done that because even though he might have come from the Methodist Hospital campus most directly, he comes to us from Milan, Italy, and is uh, here today. I won't tell all his bio because he may give you a little insight of what he's doing, but I find it to be very interesting. He's been on um, staff, faculty here since May, um, working with cancer patients, particularly outpatients, um, around the question of hope and what does that mean. But it's very interesting, it's a conversation that he's also been having in Italy with patients and, and survivors and people going through that journey. So making that connection uh, in, in that kind of field right now. So it's very, very uh, blessed to have him with us. So he is doing research at the Methodist Research Institute on hope in cancer patients and taking advantage of the diverse cultures that we have in Houston and also at the Texas Medical Center. His work and experience include spirituality, pastoral care, adolescence care, and the psychology of faith and science. And he's an author and co-author of in these topics and in these fields. We had a nice visit earlier today and we realized that so often what divides us somewhat artificially, right, is the language, the metaphors, the philosophies, the theologies, the principles. But when we start to talk to each other, we start to share a journey of help or what we want the world to be about, suddenly a lot of those divisions break down and we find a deeper common reservoir. So to have, again, Father um, Tulio with us today is just a blessing to have you here. We're also really blessed to have Pat Flores, who is our harpist this evening. Um, how many of you all have been in here when there's music being played in the chapel? It's, it's, it's amazing. So thank you, uh, Pat, for sharing your gifts with us today. Uh, Pat does a lot in uh, the, the archdiocese with the Catholic Church in town, 
but is also a member of the American Harp Society, Gulf Coast Harpers, and Houston Orchestra on call. So we appreciate you being on call and being with us here tonight. Um, what we'll do this evening is uh, Father Tulio will lead us through uh, some, share some of his insights and, and thoughts, uh, some silence, some music, some time for prayer, whatever your practice and your tradition is, some time for conversation. And then afterwards, we'll have a reception outside. So if you'd like to continue the conversation, uh, please join us for some, some fellowship afterwards. So again, welcome to the chapel, Father Tulio. Thank you, everybody. Uh, sorry for my bad English, OK? I try to do my best anyway, OK? I welcome uh, uh, all of you here. And thanks, the organizer, for uh, this invitation. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm a, a Catholic priest of the Diocese of Milan in Italy, ordained uh, 20 years ago, 1996, by then uh, the Archbishop Cardinal Carlo Maria Martini. And uh, after living in experience in the parish, uh, see, for more or less seven, seven years, uh, since uh, from 2003, I've been a chaplain at the National Cancer Institute in Milan. National Cancer Institute, like uh, MD Anderson Cancer Center, of course, not so, so, so huge. Here, all things are enormous. Anyway, but only um, oncological diseases are treated. And my archbishop, uh, Cardinal Martini, asked me to perform the services at, of chaplain in the hospital. After several discussions with him for a long period of time, I accepted his proposal and I began to perform my duties as a chaplain. I live within the hospital where I have a space and of course I am available 24 hours a day. And there is also another priest um, who has been with me for several years. His name is Luciano. And when I started at the National Cancer Institute as chaplain, I often thought, I discovered a new world. What does it mean? For example, I understood the, the various categories that we usually use for people, believer, not believer, Christian, or Christian, uh, practicing, non practicing, Italian, foreign, what you want. They are not so important. These categories uh, cannot describe very well the complexity that I meet every day. Certainly, is not uh, the first thing, uh, nor the fundamental aspect for, of my encounters. If you ask me who are, in theory, the believers and the non-believers, I think I can, I can, can give you an answer. When uh, you are in the room with the sick, it's more difficult to offer a response. When I find myself in front of people who are sick and suffering, my first thought is, how can I help? In their situation, the trust then uh, the sick has in the faith and religious affiliation, this can sometimes help, sometimes not always. This is my experience. It's not an, an not so automatically. It depends on the type of relationship. Even today, often, the diseases is seen or perceived as punishment from God, even among those who profess to be non-believers. Of course, not hardly explicit in, in such explicit terms. Even the so-called collect believers are called to recognize the real questions that are always present in the heart about the meaning and significance of what is happening to their lives or those who they loved once. Why does the Lord allow suffering? I think it's not easy for everyone to find a satisfactory answer in front of these or similar questions. I remember very well a young boy, eight years more or less, years old, he asked me, okay, but if Jesus exists, then why am I sick? Um, young, uh, young man, 31 years old, my whole parishioner, unfortunately, 
Uh, why? Why do I, I have to die? Why? I wanted uh, just a, a normal life with my life. I wanted to, I would like to see grows my, my son Luca. But why? I'm still young. Why God does not intervene? Why? Why he doesn't listen to me? I often think of Jesus and I always a great consolation to remember that he didn't, didn't write theological treatise, but wipe away tears of the people. The one who calls himself a believer is called to humility of one to recognize this. It is it has often in front of these or similar questions, all that remains in the silence full of deep respect, marked by a genuine desire to share if he wants what he wants in which want a way he wants by the courage of uh, who walk alongside his brother and then the family marked by suffering. Faith in God is not the magic pill that uh, uh, solves all the problems and the situation, not least because experiences tells us this, faith in God, our trust in him, we do not avoid the dark crossroads of existence. My experience of sharing a support, I can say that the experience of the disease may be not always a time when you open or reopen an issue of God. If nothing else, a phase where all people are challenged on the meaning and importance of their faith, of their being believers, and more in general, about the meaning and significance of their own existence what is the life, the meaning of my life. We feel uh, challenged, but uh, what does it mean to believe? Very often, I'm not a believer. I, uh, I uh, ask them, okay, what does it mean, believer? What does it mean uh, to have faith? Who is the believer and not believer? It, it's obvious that everyone can define himself in one way rather than another. But perhaps it might be useful to ask further about the meaning of such statements. I often meet people who call themselves non-believers, patients or family as well as between the staff, sometimes even anti-clerical, very great, able to testify in a clear and transparent way the human faith of Jesus, anti-clerics that make me more and more a believer of the gospel. Okay, now uh, they are my friends, of course, but very, very interesting. Uh, now I'm here in Houston for a few months in order to study, uh, we heard about this, uh, and analyze research related to theme of spirituality and hope, particularly in people who are faced with uh, such an important uh, disease like cancer. Thanks to his great uh, hospitality, welcome and encouragement, of my dear friend, Professor Mauro Ferrari. I take this opportunity to thank him publicly. I'm working here at uh, the Houston Methodist Research Institute, where Professor Ferrari is uh, president and CEO. I want to give you thanks uh, to the Lord for this opportunity that uh, I was granted and for those we made possible this moment. Thank you for a moment, now a moment of uh, playing.
The title of my meditation is Intercession for Peace, the Hope of the Poor. I was a little perplexed when I received the invitation to lead the meditation in this uh, special place. At the first time I was here two years ago, accompanied by Professor Mauro Ferrari and his wife, Paola, and they showed me the, this chapel and explained it, uh, its meaning. After further understanding the specific characteristics of this place and the prestigious surroundings, in addition to the authoritative characters that have uh, followed over the years, really I was a little fearful. In any case, now we are here, thank you. And I feel very honored to be able to share with you some thoughts during this period. On September 30, 1981, the General, General Assembly of the United Nations, Nations established September 21st of each year the, to celebrate the International Day of Peace. This marks the 35th anniversary, a significant achievement which, while helping us to remember how much of positive and was done along all these years, we are charged with the responsibility for a future that wants peace. As Pope Francis often says, we are called to build bridges, not walls, particularly at this time when our world looks like this fragmented, divided, in contrast, in contrast struggle towards each other. Celebrate a day like this, it says concretely the desire to build bridges, not to give into evil that grows more and more. Our meeting here speaks well of the sincere desire to live together, not divided. A chapel like this, I think, expresses the aspiration that belongs to every person, regardless of culture, history, social background, religious affiliation, and so on. It says that uh, in the name of uh, spirituality, in his broader sense, not necessarily a religious perspective, you can actually find many shared points and contribute to the construction of the great human family. For all these reasons, my thoughts are to reflect on the important issue of peace. Peace is a desire of every person, every nation, every race, every culture, every religion, every social status, and so on. Peace belongs in every continent and in the hearts of every man. We should be pleased to see the desire for worldwide peace. It seems to me very significant finding this yearning within the different religious traditions and beyond. We can read some of these complaints and suggestions. The day when the power of love will overcome the love of power, the world will find peace, Mahatma Gandhi. If uh, we want to build peace in the world, build in the first place within each of us, Dalai Lama. The fruit of peace is hanging from the tree of silence, Harap proverb. Rest in peace, because we will not repeat the mistake. Epitaph of the Hiroshima nuclear holocaust memorial stone. One could, uh, could uh, cite many others. I think these are sufficiently explanatory of the deep desire for peace that dwells in the human heart itself. The theme of peace, however, belongs profoundly to the Christian religion. The evangelical narrative expresses very well this concept. The words the angels uttered to the shepherds in the time of the Jesus birth exactly recall this. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on those whom his favor rests. So toward the first words that the risen Jesus rallying in front of his disciples are their own. Peace be with you. Repeated words more than once. Effie to say that peace is the first gift of the rising Christ with the gift of the Holy Spirit sent for the remission of sins. First of all, the peace. 
Jesus has a deep knowledge of the human heart and knows that often in the depth of the human heart there isn't a peace, but a struggle, division, envy, rivalry, jealousy, fear, anxiety, and so on, which all contribute to make the heart of man, of every man, restless, always in turmoil. But what is the meaning that takes the term peace proclaimed by Jesus? Inevitably, you have to go back to the meaning of the word peace within the Bible. I think we know all that the Hebrew word shalom, peace, is the first to be used by Jews when they meet and greet. It's a term capable to expressing every aspect of human life and the existence of each person, called to cross our world through a series of meetings, reports, dialogues, and so on. That is why in the Bible, peace is not a simple absence of the world, but above all, a gift of God and the fullness of all his blessings. Life and the family, the land and its products, work and well-being, longevity and abundance, just peace becomes the fundamental message proclaimed by the prophet Isaiah. The wolf shall be a guest of the lamb, the calf and the young lion shall browse together with a little child to guide them. Everything will be fulfilled according to the Christian tradition, of course, with the coming of Jesus of Nazareth. Probably it can rise to the question what can I do with regard to the world that cross all of humanity? What have I to do with respect to those who kill other people? Sure, the argument is anything but simple. However, for those who call themselves believers of any affiliation, there is also the tool of the prayer. Possible objection? is not a sterile argument for those who plan to use prayer as a means to combat violence. It's not dividing the problems to invoke a divine operation, but does not, in fact, solve them. I think it should be acknowledged that for those who profess to be non-believer, there is no other language to use except for only hum human ar arguments. The one who calls himself a believer is not limited to this, but also uses the space of one's faith to go down there in the heart of man, of every man, and therefore also in their hearts. I think it must that uh, dramatic situations that uh, to which now we see every day challenge also the one who calls himself a believer. We feel born spontaneous question they may, that may be we collect around us. But if God exists, why does not intervene? Why, God does, why does God not stop the murderer's hand? I seem to listen to similar questions in front of situations of illness, particularly children and young people. If God existed, shall not allow all this suffering, this pain. Illness and suffering of children are the proof that God does not exist. It's just an invasion. I could go uh, citing many other statements of this kind. Recognize it even in the hearts of those who call themselves believers. There are these and other similar questions. I think, first of all, it makes us feel solidarity with many of our brothers, believers or not. It helps us to remember to really be in communion with all humanity. I believe it will help us to always maintain respectful attitude towards every man and every woman. Really, we are all on the same level. And I also believe we all feel powerless in front of life's real questions. We pray so much, many people enjoyed our prayers, but don't don't change anything. My son is dead. My, my mom, my dad are not well. The war has not been avoided. Why, Lord, do you not listen to us? These and similar experiences 
bring us back to think sometimes you really, it's really difficult reality. The human being is limited, we are limited, unable to provide for ourselves. We realize that material wealth is not enough to protect. The sometimes obsessive search of success at all costs, search of money, power, prestige, honors, and so on is disappointing. They are not able to support my, our steps in front of the difficult experiences and complex human existence. And also, I think it's very important, we need to always remember that the rivers of blood are always preceded by torrents of mud. If today we see so much violence, hatred, content for human life, it's not because something has happened suddenly, almost by accident. Suddenly, there are exact responsibility. However, devices, situations, struggles, wars, and so on, because there are probably for so long those in unjust situations, and it was hoped to achieve peace, neglecting those which the Holy Pope, John 24th, called the four pillars of peace, trust, justice, freedom, and charity. Any private or public offense against these four pillars, actions of falsehood, injustice, desire to dominate the other, selfish possession, situation of prejudice, hatred, malice, and so on, in fact, slowly but surely, they dug a road towards which we have been carried. Peace is something indivisible, and all, in one way or another, are responsible for it. As I mentioned it above, for those who call themselves believers, there is the instruments of prayer, the prayer of intercession. Intercede does not simply pray for someone. Etymologically, it means to take a step to reach the core of the situation. Then intercession means to come between the two conflict parties. This is intercession in the Christian logic. This is one of the reasons why intercession is really hard. It asks the ability to persevere even in loneliness and only have faith in the working of God, faith in the one who rises from the dead. An attitude of this kind, of course, does not arise to demands of justice. We can never equate murderers and victims, those who transgress the law and those who defend. What is being asked of us is to have a more benevolent gaze to other, no person is foreign to me. Learning to look at the face helps to feel compassion for other people. It's really hard to feel hatred, content, reaction when you look at the face of other people. You learn in practice to go beyond the different categories which we use. The, which we use. the face of the other reminds us that the person is much more like me. So beautiful and good it is, or prejudice that belongs to me. The other is a human being who, like me, struggles, commits, attempts to give full meaning of, to their existence. Like me, full of fears, anxieties, hopes, life's, life's disappointments, betrayals, defeats, moments of joy, sadness, entertainment, is inhabited by my own feeling. In the Christian perspective, the other is a brother still and always to love a person of whom to share the common right to be here on this heart. The human, human heart is often divided. We feel ourselves divided, and in particular, in the face of continued conflict. And then we try to take a position with respect to another. Perhaps we leave moments of prayer. However, this is often experienced as something that, that affects others. It's requested that uh, there be peace in that country between the opposing groups. We may be asked to change the hearts of others or according to what we believe to be right and proper. I think it's important to recognize the guidelines that inhabit the hearts 
when we place ourselves in the face of these and other similar situations. Learn to recognize that thoughts, attitudes that contrast significantly compare to a true spirit of peace. Perhaps we understand it's really difficult to be pacemakers according to the logic of the gospel. One must first have a peaceful heart in order to spread peace around him. Unlucky those living with a divided heart and especially do not recognize it's unlikely to spread peace around him, around them, sorry. Maybe we experience when we meet people so internally peaceful, then we feel good. When we talk with them, we enter into serial dialogue, we feel and we want to stay together because we feel good. Therefore, to reality be operators of peace demands learning to have a pacified hearts, able then to be close to every person without judging, each with his own history, his own biography, their own experiences, their own way of reading, interpreting the sense of what is happening and the meaning of life. Solidarity and making as just as was Jesus that on the cross did not curse and did not judge the men who put him on the cross, but continued to love them and had the strength and the courage to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Certainly, this is a gift to ask for, but also a commitment and responsibility to live every day. It's not something that you can improvise. It demands a long and great discipline with a sincere desire to unite and pacify those we know to be struggling. The believers lives with the knowledge that one's prayers on those of others do not fall on deaf ears. Even today, there are people who fear God and his judgments but they have the courage to continue to remain anchored to that world that offers hope. They are the poor, namely those who know that their life depends on others, and especially God. They are the poor midwives who oppose the tyranny of Pharaoh, hid the baby Moses, who will guide the Israelites liberating his people. They are people so weak, fragile, helpless, distant from the logic of power, strength, cunning, however, inhabited by their solemnity that the Lord, Lord does not abandon his people, does not leave them because he loves them. Until in the world there is no longer a poor man who cries out to God his needs, which elevates his prayers, as long as there are poor, there is hope for all, because the Lord hears the cries of the poor. If the world does not go toward destruction, it's because today there are poor, anchoring the loyal, to the loyalty of God. However, aware that peace will always be a building that is a bit unstable, to love every day, to preserve, renew, it will, it will never be a finished war permanently, but rather an increasingly fragile and threatened building. This is why a serious and lasting peace is always a bit of a miracle. For he who, clo he, for he who declares himself a believer, peace is a gift that comes from on high and therefore asks God through prayer. For all, I think, are obliged to invoke from the depth their conscience, completely ready to the act for this noble cause, without forgetting that peace is a fruit of righteousness, the perfect justice according to the worldly logic. In any case, this justice will always be a real participation in the divine justice. The divine justice that is able to forgive can be merciful, able to forget the wrongs. We are asked to persevere with doctor determination until it comes through the prophecy of Isaiah. 
on the dead day, Israel shall be a third party with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the middle of the heart when the Lord of hosts gives this blessing. Blessed be my people, Egypt, and my work of my hands, Assyria, and my heritage, Israel.
think uh, we have um, little moments more. If someone wants to ask some question, I don't know what you want. Thank you very much for being with us this evening, for making that connection a little bit between your corner of the world and our corner of the world. Be that the medical center, or Milan, yeah. or the Sudan, or Ireland, or wherever you find yourself and your, your heart. Um, and again, welcome for all of you to the chapel this evening. Uh, we will have time. I invite all of you to come out and spend some time on the plaza, maybe visit a little bit more. Uh, it's a very important time for community building also. You know, One thing we were talking about before is that it seems like peace, hope, love, charity, all the things, justice. So often the counter to all of that is aloneness. It's amazing when you're journeying together on a health and wellness kind of journey how important that sense of being with somebody else. If you're working on criminal justice issues, recidivism so often, the antidote to that is company, companionship, somebody else, that sense of being alone is just something that has a very powerful, I mean, the kind of alone that's not by choice per se. And I think that um, working on issues of justice too, as you reminded us, is um, something you really cannot do alone. Uh, we know that as we sit here today and just thinking about what happened today in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, places uh, in our own city, um, that sense of being alone just kind of exacerbates the problem. But that sense of showing up and being together is something, I guess if there's hope, that's where it lies so often in the hope of being with somebody else that shares both the angst, the anguish, but also that sense of possibility for the future. So on this World Day of Peace, go in peace. Go together and be one. Thank you all for coming this evening. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, very you. Much. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.